1: And we're back with the Sailor Ring. Trita, how was your weekend?
2: My weekend was wonderful. I actually spent some time down in Oklahoma this weekend.
1: You spent some time in Oklahoma. That's my home state. Yeah.
2: Sorry about that. Well, where did you go? (laughs) Oklahoma City. It was a basketball tournament. My child's basketball tournament. Just to clarify, because you've accused me of playing basketball in the past. I have.
1: I have. (laughs) That was a great episode, by the way. We've got a Really cool show! I'm excited about this one. Being a professional auctioneer, we're going to have Morgan Hobson in the studio here in a little bit. She is the current women's IAC champion. You don't know what an IAC champion is? Stick around. We're going to uh, we're going to get into that here in a few minutes when Morgan gets here and uh, we get her in the studio. I found some interesting things. So, as an auctioneer, I started reading the Independent, and the Independent, it's. Uh, it's out of the U.K. It's, uh, I'm finding that auctions are a lot more advertised and publicized in the U.K. Not that there may be more prevalent over there, just that the news media seems to get behind them because they have a ton of auction stories. One of them, The Independent, is a great place to get just auction news. It's, it's a great place to read auction news. You got to convert everything. Most of the stories uh, that happen over there or that they report, they've converted it from dollars to pounds mm-hmm. in in currency. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about some interesting things that, um, like one that's here in front of me right now, I'm looking at Van Gogh. Uh, we had talked about that before, the pistol that uh, yeah. he apparently had. So they found that and, and they had sold it for 115,000 pounds, mm-hmm. convert that to dollars. But there's just a ton of interesting stories on here like that, and anyways, uh, I found it kind of interesting.
2: Cool. Are you working for them now?
1: No. That's a great plug <laughs> for the I independent, know. though. <laughs> there you go. You're welcome, independent. Send your yes. check to.
2: <laughs>
1: no doubt. All right, we should be getting connected uh, here. We're gonna actually have uh, Morgan remotely. She is um, out of Oklahoma City. She's a Texas girl. I believe out of, uh, but they're based out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And Morgan, are you with us? Are you are you online here?
3: I'm here. Hey,
1: awesome, awesome. Well, welcome, welcome. Thank to, you. Uh, Thanks for having me today. Welcome to the Sail Ring Podcast Show, Trina. You know Morgan. You've yeah. met Morgan oh, yeah. several times, I know, in the past, and and through just regular company affiliations mm-hmm. and, and business functions, and. I've known Morgan for a number of years. We appreciate you being on the show with us this morning.
3: Well, I'm I'm glad to be here. So thanks again for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation today.
1: You're a busy girl. You travel quite a bit. Where are you at today? Where are you calling us
3: from? I'm calling you from our office in Oklahoma City today. Nice. Nice.
2: So you're kind of home right so now. Nice
3: kind of home right now. I spent some time yesterday at Bonham and in Dallas and made my way back up here tonight. And then this weekend, I'm actually headed to Kansas to do an auction uh, with a friend from CAI and then back to Oklahoma to do an auction on Saturday. So I'll be kind of all over the place. And then Sunday, our Oklahoma State Associations having our summer meeting. So I'll be in Stillwater for that. So
1: Very cool. What kind of auctions Tra- are you conducting?
3: Traveling. What kind of auction? Um, Friday and Saturday are both benefit auctions. Oh, cool!
1: Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So let's uh, let's kind of talk about Oklahoma City a little bit. I'm, any chance I get to talk about Oklahoma, <laughs> I'm, I'm on it. That's uh, that's my home <laughs> state. So I, I grew up, as you know, in Northwest Oklahoma, and I, I just love that state. You guys are based out of Oklahoma City, and we are. What kind of an area or a region does your your company operate in?
3: We are in an office just off of Britain and two thirty five, so just almost kind of between Edmond and Oklahoma City.
1: Got gotcha. you. we
3: travel all over all over the country, Oklahoma and Texas. You know, selling selling real estate
1: primarily in Oklahoma and Texas.
3: Primarily Oklahoma and Texas. We have done some sales in Colorado. We have property for sale in Montana. So, we'll travel pretty much anywhere.
1: Yeah, very cool. How long have you been in the auction business as a professional auctioneer?
3: I have been in the auction business since 2011. I went to Texas Auction Academy in two, June of 2011, right after I graduated from TCU and started doing marketing for Craig Buford, who owns our company here at Buford Resources Real Estate Auction. And we're United Country Office, like I said, based out of Oklahoma City, um, was doing marketing for him primarily. And went to auction school just to learn more about the business, and was really intrigued by it. So went ahead and got my auctioneer's license, and then got my real estate license in both Texas and in Oklahoma.
1: That is, uh, and that's another connection point that we have with this show. One of our primary sponsors of the Sale Ring Show is United Country Real Estate. Mm-hmm. I heard you say you're an affiliate uh, of United Country, so we we share that in yeah. common. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's great. Uh, to visit with a, a fellow native Oklahoman slash Texan down there, I have also conducted some auctions in those states. And, and being from that area, just have a strong appreciation for the auction industry in that uh, in that part of the country. Auctions are very prevalent Absolutely. down there around you in Oklahoma City.
3: They are. They really are. Auctions are very well received around our area, which is which is nice for us. But still, always have the opportunity to educate others about about the auction industry as well.
1: Do you find that the benefit auctions are pretty strong there in Oklahoma City?
3: I do. We have a lot of great organizations here that have galas and events where we're able to do benefit auctions. I work a lot. A lot of my clients as well are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You know, having, doing benefits, we have the opportunity to consult with different organizations and associations to help ensure that they're meeting their fundraising goals through live auction and special appeals.
1: So I heard you say that you're you have benefit auctions coming up. Other types of auctions. What's what's kind of on your radar right now as far as um, you know different uh, real estate, personal property. What what do you outside of the benefit sector? Do you specialize in anything in particular?
3: Absolutely, our company primarily our bread and butter is farm and ranch land. We sell hunting properties and luxury properties at auction. Like I said, travel a little bit all over and really really enjoy it.
2: Your company's won several marketing awards for a lot of their farm and range properties, is that right?
3: We have in the past. Absolutely. We have cool. we have a lot of fun marketing our properties. You know, I think something that's unique about the auction industry is we get to see a lot of wonderful places that are very unique properties. And that's something I enjoy the most is getting to see the different farms and ranches that we're able to travel to and always putting marketing campaigns together is is a lot of fun. And then being able to do drone videos and use marketing in that way is also really great.
1: So part of what we wanted to talk about on the show uh, is you have um, a new title. You, you have some recent notoriety in the auction industry that uh, spans not just in Oklahoma or Texas, but uh, nationally and internationally. And that title is the women's division international auction champion. Am I correct about that?
3: That is correct. I was privileged to be named our IC champion this year and was able to take the stage in New Orleans at the beginning of the month with about 68 other top professionals in our industry. There were 22 women, I believe, in the women's division and some of the best and brightest in our industry.
1: I've been to that competition many times. I, I've witnessed it and even participated over the years in it. And that is not an easy competition to win. That's that's a very, very difficult contest. So hats off to you. Kudos uh, in, in winning that championship because that's a major milestone or an accomplishment for an auctioneer.
3: Thank you very much. I think I'm still pinching myself a little bit. You know, you see past IC champions and always have looked up to them and they've a lot of them have been great mentors for me so just to be among among them is is something really special
1: well i we started this segment out we were talking about auction news and that publication out there i read uh, a lot about the real estate and auction industry we we stay current obviously as practitioners in it and i remember reading And I think it was the association magazine from Texas that was just like a month or two before this international championship. You had just won the Texas championship.
3: I did. That was a lot of fun as well. I enjoyed competing there. It's my fifth year to compete in the Texas contest and also my fifth year to compete in the IC. So I came off of a a June win in Texas and was able to go down to New Orleans and compete in the IC as well. But Texas is a little different. Uh, men and women compete together in the Texas contest, but it's similarly structured as the IC. We have a prelim round, an interview round, and then sell two, three items, I guess, in the finals that evening.
0: You're listening to the Sale Ring Podcast, taking real estate and auction to the next level.
1: Texas is and has been a predominantly male-dominated state. And let's face it, the auction industry has been for the last several, probably hundreds of years, a male-dominated industry out there. So women are emerging, obviously, in that industry. They're uh, very accomplished. They're taking over a large percentage of the benefit auction business. Um, A lot of the personal property or asset auction and real estate auction business now or at least taking a part of that so we're very excited to be visiting with you because I I hope the listeners are kind of tuned in to what you just said in that where men and women are competing together in a state like Texas and you take the top notch the championship out of that that is also a major accomplishment
3: well thank you very much
1: Craig Buford that you work with seems like a great guy. I've met Craig multiple times and and I've enjoyed the conversations with him. It seems like you and Craig have a great relationship there in Oklahoma City uh, working together in that office.
3: We do. I've known Craig since I was a baby and he's been a great mentor for me through the years. I've always looked up to him, you know, not only as another, you know, predominant figure in my life, but um, exceptional businessman as well. So he's been a great mentor and coached me and guided me and helped push me to the next level. And so I really appreciate that. Just privileged to be able to work side by side with him every day. So we have a lot of fun together and and enjoy enjoy working with one another.
1: Did you mention that you're from Bonham? Is that is that kind of where you were born or raised?
3: Yep. Born and raised in Bonham, Texas. So if you don't know where that is, you know where Gainesville is. Um, Going down I-35, we are just east of Gainesville, about an hour, northeast of Dallas, about 75 miles.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm familiar with Bonham and that area. That's a great part of Texas. And here's my question to you is, how does a girl from Bonham, Texas, get into the auction business And um, at, at your age? end up excelling to the point where she's winning Texas state championships and the international bid calling championship. What led you to the auction industry? What what attracted you to it?
3: Well, I, after graduating from Bonham high school, I went to TCU and graduated with a, a business degree with a concentration in marketing, but was able to go on a full ride for music, uh, play the violin since mm-hmm. I was two and a half. And went on a full ride for music and graduated with a bachelor of arts in music as well. And when I was graduating right before I graduated, I was doing a marketing competition actually in Oklahoma City and Craig runs Buford resources. So we also manage the community bankers association of Oklahoma and in addition to our real estate auction company. And so he was here and took me out to lunch and he was just asking plans, you know, for my year, what I had coming up. And he said, well, what are you doing after graduation? I said I'm not sure and he said, "Well, why don't you come work for us and do marketing for me?" And I said that would be great. And sounds like a lot of fun. Would love to do that. And so I I ended up starting with him. I was still kind of working for the school of music a little bit during the summer, but started full time with him in August. And I thought, "Well, I'm going to go to auction school to learn more about the business. If I'm going to be marketing, you know, in the auction industry, I need to really know what the business entails." And I had gone to a couple I think livestock sales growing up but never had fully been immersed in the auction industry. And so ended up going to auction school in June of two thousand eleven and just caught the bug and have been hooked ever since. So um had the privilege of, you know, learning and growing and have a having a lot of mentors in the industry. And obviously Craig has been the main mentor for me in the auction business.
2: Well, that's that's pretty amazing. To back up on the very first thing you said there, did you say that you've been playing the violin since you were two and a half? I have been. I have been. I'm a little behind the curve on my phone, so it sounds like. My <laughs> five year old needs to get off his butt and do something.
3: <laughs> extremely intrigued by the violin. And I believe my parents said I saw it on Sesame Street. And just bug them. I really wanted to play the violin. So my parents did a lot of research and into char- early childhood development and found a school in, in Dallas called the Suzuki Music Institute of Dallas. And they started taking me there and I did some observations. And so I think I started really taking lessons around three years old, but started at the school at about two and a half observing and making sure it was something i was really interested in so it was never anything my parents pushed me into it's always been a big passion of mine and i still play play today but um, obviously not as much as i'd like to so
1: what's the difference between a violin and a fiddle i've always wondered that
3: <laughs> well there are two two ways we say that there's a difference we say one has strings and one has strings
4: Strikes. And the other, we say one
3: you carry in a case, and one you carry under your arm. So nice. <laughs>
1: that is, so uh, there's the main
3: difference, just a just a style of playing.
1: So. They're they're essentially the same instrument. It's the as you just said, it's the style of play.
3: It's a style. Yes, that's correct.
1: Very cool. Very cool. And the fact that you you think that you may have adopted the passion for that at such a young age off of Sesame Street is a coincidence because Sesame Street is where, about the same age, I found my love for cookies.
3: And uh, I
1: professionally eat cookies whenever I get the opportunity. A lot like the cookie monster you know, eats them.
3: <laughs> you know, something I think is so interesting is that there are a lot of parallels, I think, between the music industry, especially playing an instrument, and the auction industry. You know, you to perfect your bid call or to perfect your chant. And there's a lot of discipline required to perfect our craft in the auction industry. And you have to be dedicated to practice and preparation for whatever type of auction you're doing, whether it be a benefit or a real estate auction. And just the adrenaline of being on stage and being able to evoke emotion and engage the audience is just the very same as musicians when we get on stage, the exact same thing we're trying to do. So I think, you know, for me, there's a lot of similarities there that I see you know, having been a professional musician and having been in the music industry for a long time and then coming into the auction industry, there are a lot of parallels there.
1: I couldn't agree more. Uh, This is so far so good, man. We're learning a lot about uh, our current IAC International Auction Champion for the women's division. We're learning a lot about Morgan Hobson. We're going to slip away. We're going to hear from our sponsors. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Morgan Hobson.
4: buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for america's mineral owners whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights mineral marketing has you covered mineralmarketing.com the oil and gas marketplace
5: ever dream of owning a country estate historic home or lakefront property log on to unitedcountry.com would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains unitedcountry.com ever dream of your own private hunting preserve UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. And we're back in the studio with
1: Morgan Hobson. She's the current international auction champion for the uh, National Auctioneers Association based out of Oklahoma City. While we were on break, we were talking about something kind of interesting, Trina. We were talking about the FFA and
2: mm-hmm.
1: what she yeah. called the program, SA- SAE? SAE. SAE yeah. program. Morgan, tell us. So let's talk about that a little bit because we uh, I, I would find that as a, as a former FFA Uh, student when I was in school. And I know you have an FFA background. This is kind of intriguing. I think it's a great opportunity for for students. Tell us more about that program.
3: I do too. So the National Engineers Association has recently partnered with the FFA to do a supervised agricultural experience. So really it's a capstone for FFA students and it gives them the opportunity to or what a career in the auction industry could look like. Oh. So I believe throughout the program, they're able to be mentored by a local auctioneer. And then at the end of the program, they are given the opportunity to actually conduct their own auction, which I think is neat. It kind of gives them an insight into, like I said, what a career in the auction industry could look like. It's something I think I would have been really interested in when I was in FFA growing up.
1: That's pretty cool. They're actually going to get to... uh spend some time with an auctioneer. I think you said there was a mentorship program involved in that. And then uh, they're actually going to conduct the auction at the end of that cycle or that program. They'll conduct an auction to get kind of that feel of, I I will tell you this, when you're standing, as you know, in front of that crowd, looking at them and trying to orchestrate and conduct an auction event, it's a lot different than sitting in the seat and and watching it go down.
3: Absolutely. Very different than... Than selling in your car or at home, uh, being in front of an audience really gives you gives you a totally different experience.
1: I'm excited because what you just said about the FFA, that agricultural kind of environment that those kids operate in, is very conducive to the auction method of marketing. It's extremely prevalent it in rural America, and there is kind of the bread and butter for the the health and 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 the security of the auction industry into the future is going to be in in that social sector in schools these rural schools out there that's the target audience for what we do
3: it is and another exciting program the naa has recently launched was with the um, american farm bureau foundation and they've created a game called auction adventures and it's geared towards kids in the third through the fifth grade and it's math focused game but it also introduces them to different community of practices in the auction industry so whether it be fundraising real estate livestock, or even estates, they have the opportunity to learn about those communities of practice and also work on their math skills. So I think that's a neat way to introduce those kids to the auction industry as well.
2: And that's that's an online game, is that correct? It
3: is an online game, and it's through the um, American Farm Bureau Foundation.
1: Sounds like the National Auctioneers Association is doing some pretty exciting stuff for, uh, the again, to educate uh, that younger demographic coming up about the auction method of marketing, the auction industry, and that's, uh, again, that's going to be the security and the future of this industry. As you know, this industry is changing a lot. We've seen a rapid uh, change. I, I think one of the most dynamic changes that we've seen as auctioneers is the advent and, and the acceleration of online auctions, internet auctions versus live outcry auctions. And just for kind of clarity on this show about the competition that you won, it generally comes in two stages. One is selling something verbally, you know, vocally on stage in front of somebody with that auctioneer's chant. And then there's an interview portion. But in no part of that competition is there an online component. It's, it's all live and it's all doing exactly what people get into the auction industry to do which is uh, to get up and sell things in front of a crowd of people. So we're seeing that industry change a lot. Would you agree?
3: I would agree. I think, you know, I think live auctions are always going to be a huge part of our auction industry. But I I do think it's important for us to recognize the online component and people that gives us so much access. And we have so much access through the Internet at this point in our lives that we have to be receptive of growing that online business as well.
1: So... Tell me about that. As an international bid calling champion, do you use online auctions? Is that something that's part of your business? Um, Do you see a portion of your business going that direction?
3: Like I said earlier, we sell primarily large farms and ranches, hunting properties at auction. It's definitely something that we have incorporated in the past. We have done some simulcast auctions in addition to our live auctions. And that's definitely something that we're able to offer if we think it's a property that is a good fit for an online auction but we stick a lot of times primarily we host a live auction and then throw in that simulcast option in case there are people who aren't able to attend or who are in different parts of the world interested in that unique property
1: i'm kind of seeing the same thing you know we uh it, it takes a lot of the it's not the passion i guess it'd be the right way to say it for why i got in the auction industry there's nothing sexy about an online auction it's it's pretty mechanical. It's about as mechanical as you can get in the auction industry. Not near as much fun for the, an auctioneer, and I don't believe it's as much fun for the bidding audience, for the crowd, because we, we conduct a lot of just um, kind of social interactions or create events out there on site when we have live auctions. But uh, again, the ability to bid on property that um, may have a fairly narrow or select audience out there. Not a lot of competitive bids, just a few people that could want a specific type of product. It's a way to expand the audience to reach uh, maybe a bigger uh, or a more wider audience. And uh, it gives them the ability to bid 24 hours a day, seven days a week, instead of waiting until Tuesday at 10 a.m. here on site. And you've got a bid in front of everybody else. There's a select amount of people that are just not comfortable doing that. So, I understand why the industry is starting to kind of migrate a little bit more in that direction, but that sure doesn't make me want to or have to like it as an auctioneer. <laughs> but at, you know, That's we're true. we're trying to do the same thing, Morgan. That I believe you and 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 everybody else is doing. We we like to promote the auction uh, industry. We enjoy getting out there and and uh, kind of showing our craft, if you will, to that audience and having a lot of fun and hopefully they're having fun. And I think there's a better way sometimes to do that than an online auction.
3: No, I agree. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, having a live auction, you're able to really engage your crowd and you're able to reach out. And we work with professional ringmen as well. And they're able to build those relationships. When we're behind the mic, they're able to build those relationships with our crowd and really lay a hand on them and create that excitement. And I think that's something that's really special about being at a live auction, creating that energy and excitement around the auction method of marketing.
0: Tell your friends you get your information on the Sale Ring Podcast Show.
1: Let's, uh, let's go in a different direction. I just thought of something here a, a few minutes ago. I jotted down a note. So you're currently the women's IAC champion. I assume with that being said that way, that there's a men's IAC champion also.
3: There is. I am so thankful to be have a great friend and my co-champion. His name's Trey Morris. He is out of Murray, Kentucky, and we're excited and looking forward to this year.
1: I know Trey Morris, and Trey Morris is a good man. He's a very good auctioneer, a very accomplished auctioneer, and it was wonderful to see both of you win those titles out there. So you'll share kind of your crowns independently, but together you're representing the auction industry over the next 12 months, and is that... We, Tell me, do you and Trey work together? Is there events that you'll show up to together or how, how does that work?
3: There are events that we'll be able to go to together. One of the big things and I think one of the highlights of our year is being able to go to St. Jude and we're going November 13th and 14th, I believe, down to St. Jude and we'll have the ability to tour their campus and conduct a fun auction for those patients and their siblings to be able to let them be a kid a little bit and have some fun and kind of introduce them to the auction industry. But most importantly, just to bring some joy to their day. And we're really looking forward to
2: that. That's one of my favorite events to watch every year is the St. Jude auction and how excited those kids get to get out of their rooms and be able to socialize and, and buy things. And it's just a fun event all around.
1: That is a great event.
2: It is. You know, you think the things that they
3: go through, no kid should ever have to go through you know, all the trials that they've been through so far. So to be able to just go down there and let them have some fun and bring some joy into their life is going to be really special for us.
1: So what's next uh, for Morgan Hobson if you've won it? Oklahoma, did you win the Oklahoma title or have you won that yet?
3: No, I haven't. So Texas State Championship in June and then the ISC in July.
1: So it looks like Oklahoma is on the chopping block right now. You're getting ready to take that thing down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look out, Brown. look yeah. out, Oklahoma. <laughs> Morgan Hobson's coming to town. She's bringing the big trophies with her. So, oh, that's awesome.
3: No, I think one of the things like Trey and I both talked a lot about what we want our gear to look like and how we're going to make an impact. We've had so many people in the industry really pour into us. And I think Sean and Trina, you probably both agree that the auction industry is really special and that people pour into you and they want you to see you succeed and they want you to be successful. And they'll pretty much share anything with you if that means you being successful in the auction industry. And so what Trey and I really looked at this year is kind of increasing membership for the NAA, how we do that, how we pour into other members, just like we have been encouraged and supported throughout the years. So that's something we're really looking forward to and visiting state conventions nationwide, wherever we are, is to be able to engage other members the way people have engaged us throughout the years
1: well I am familiar with the auction industry and you're exactly right people are very passionate about it um, to say that there may be a, a certain amount of ego maybe even in in some instances flamboyance in the auction industry I mean there there's a certain amount of showmanship to the auction industry because you're trying to orchestrate something to a large audience where they're having a great time. They have a belief system in you. You're, you're selling or upselling something to them as much as you can to maximize the potential or the dollar amount in whatever item that you're selling. And you have to carry that kind of a persona with you to do that, which is great. But to see people let their guard down and to be that sharing and that willing to share with each other and that's that's a wonderful environment when you can operate in that kind of an industry absolutely all right we're at about the 30 minute mark we're going to break away we're going to hear from our sponsors real quick we'll come back with more from morgan Hobson.
5: Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom.
4: Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you. Have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineraldmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace.
1: Now that we're back from break, that's gotta uh that's gotta come up again. We were just talking about the FFA. We did a little backtrack here and I was in the FFA when I was in high school. Uh-huh. Morgan was in the FFA, but amazingly enough, Trina was not.
2: Yeah, weird, weird in the story. FFA <laughs> or 4-H.
1: Being I grew
2: up in I grew up in town. There was no 4-H. How many kids? School. How
1: many kids were in your school?
2: Like five thousand.
1: Five thousand. Yeah. Inner <laughs> inter- city no urban girl.
3: Yeah. There was no room for the FFA. That's as, almost as many people that's in our our town, Trina. Yeah. So, No,
2: that was my uh, high school class. Yep.
1: (laughs) 5,000 people in your town, Morgan.
3: Bonham is 9,000 people. So, Ah. yeah.
1: Carmen, Oklahoma is 350.
2: Yeah. Sean graduated in a class of like five.
1: (laughs) No, I had 16
2: in my class.
1: Yeah. So what club were you in?
2: What club was I in? Yeah, you don't want me to answer. That I don't. On, I, I am talking. I'm
1: talking about clubs in in high school. I like can't. Yeah, school. no, what? I wasn't
2: in clubs in high school. No club. No, you weren't Mm-mm. in the
1: photo. Club I mean, I was just like or...
2: track and sports for a while, but I was no good at it. I have zero. Yeah, I'm not competitive enough for that. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. I've seen you run before. And no, actually, you haven't. I did. I saw You've you.
2: never seen me run, Sean. I
1: saw you run to your car one day when it was when raining it raining
2: <laughs> to avoid getting my hair wet, probably. Yeah. I
1: thought you had hurt your leg before you started. <laughs>
2: Shut your mouth. Uh,
1: how about so, no, you? How I was never in
2: FHA. FFA. Sorry. F-A-J? I wasn't in FHA either. <laughs> My first house I baby. Was, but
1: <laughs> I was in the Federal Housing Administration <laughs> Club in high school.
2: No, I was never in FHA. Oh. But I, I always wanted to have like animals and be, you know, around that kind of stuff. It's just not. Where I'm from.
1: If you could available. have any kind of animal, so goats, since you're a goats, non-farm girl, you can
2: stop asking. What kind goats. of animal would it be? It's goats. Goats, all the way. Goats. Have you ever watched goats? Goats are amazing. I don't even want to do anything with goats. I just want to watch them run around in my yard like dogs. You don't want to do goat yoga? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. That sounds kind of interesting. And that's like where they stand on your back while you're doing yoga poses and stuff. I
1: see. I I, I might misunderstood. Have to take up yoga first, though. I thought that's where the goat was actually doing the yoga.
2: No. And goats don't look <laughs> that
1: flexible to me. No,
2: they're pretty funny. They're they're pretty flexible too. I think the fainting goats are probably my favorite. The ones the fa- you make a loud noise and they just keel over. <laughs> they just fall over. <laughs> I'm I want out. Some. That's hilarious.
1: Morgan, tell me about the FFA. and
2: (laughs) And The goats you've been around. And and
1: I I swear, if you say, yeah, I showed goats. Uh, No, when you were in school, you were part of the FFA, you were saying. So tell me what you did. There's a lot of things you can do in FFA.
3: Yeah, I actually, I was on the dairy cattle team. So we were able to, you know, evaluate dairy cattle, physical characteristics, analyze them based on their pedigree, herd record, that sort of thing. And then I was on the dairy foods team as well. So we were tasting milk and cheese and scoring, you know, based on taste what? and okay. odor. Hold and,
2: on. And What's saying? the nastiest thing you ever had to taste in FFA? <laughs> I can't even say it anymore. FFA, F-a dairy A- tasting. <laughs> in, in the FHA. You know,
3: rancid, rancid milk is just not, like, it is was a, nasty. It's a competition, really though. Really like, disgusting.
2: did it just sit out all day? By the time you got to it, it was gross. How did it get? You no, know, I actually don't know how
3: they, you know, make the samples. But I don't think they put us in a position where we were going to get food poisoning or anything. But yeah, I'm not really sure exactly how how they do it. Yeah, it, it was nasty. But we used to cleanse our palate though with apple juice between tastings.
2: Interesting. I've heard of coffee, but not apple mm-hmm. juice.
1: Now see, that's the judging team I would be on is the apple juice judging team.
2: <laughs> the apple juice team. <laughs> yeah. The apple team.
1: Yeah, and I would not need to cleanse my palate with milk. I just <laughs> I I'll just take another glass of apple juice, please. Nice. Here's a less known fact about wow. Sean Terrell in the 80s.
2: <laughs> in the 80s. Here we go.
1: <laughs> I was one of three people that won the state shop contest in Oklahoma in the FFA.
2: Because there were only 16 people no, that, no, that no. you were up against in your class. <laughs> You're, not, <laughs> You're one of three of 16.
1: <laughs> You're not listed. There's the word state in there. Okay. So we went to Oklahoma City and we competed. I don't know. There's 70, 80 schools in there that, mm-hmm. that show up that you have to win your district and your regionals and you, you go to state. and We had to use a welder and cutting torch and we had to do tool identification, which that was actually more difficult than it sounds.
2: So what, they're not I- just, what exactly did they're you They're not win? just
1: pliers. They're left-handed lineman side-cutting pliers or something like that. You know, you had to know the actual name of each one of the instruments or tools. And I won the state shop contest. Myself, Mike Maul, and Riley Stonehawker.
2: Did you have to build something, or just identify yeah. the stuff and like pass a bunch of different kinds? You of had to
1: school? weld, and you weld um, six, seven, eight different angles inside, weld outside, weld butt weld where you're welding two pieces butted together, and things like that. Then you had to cut with a torch, cut the inside of a tube, outside, cut in different angles. And
2: yeah, and this is through the F- FFA,
1: FFA, Future Farmers of America, <laughs> I know, I know
2: right. so, not so to I be confused to with the it. Federal Housing Administration. I know. That's the one I'm more familiar exactly. with.
3: <laughs> you know, our our dairy food team, we were actually went to state as well. I, we didn't win, but we, we did make an appearance.
2: See, my kids, the school they go to right now, they have FFA, but it's not <laughs> very highly, like, it's not very well rated. And there's not a lot of kids that participate, but I'm on the outskirts of town now. I'm working my way to GOATS.
1: I'm working my way out of town so I can have goats.
2: I, uh, we're going to go visit Trina and she's going to have a bunch of I mean, I'm going to have a whole yard right. full of goats and dogs. And
1: when we have. go see her, Morgan, we can bring our giant trophies over. You're, you can. Of course, you'll have like a trailer hauling your <laughs> yes, international yes, yes, auction. And then I'll just come up and pull, like mine will be in my pocket. I'll take you out my
2: your shop. 1983 <laughs>
1: state shop contest. It's It's, it's probably like a... Like a, a hammer
2: that's bronzed a hammer.
1: on a little <laughs> tiny plaque or something. Yeah, that was good times. I also showed livestock. Uh, we showed cattle, and uh, I, I showed pigs. Chester White. I had a Chester White. Uh, Is that a kind of pig? That yeah, that's okay. a white, it wasn't his name.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> mean, ornery. Uh, but he had really, really good confirmation. I did well at the local shows with him, despite the fact the minute he got in the ring— the way that pigs fight is they'll, they'll bite and they'll try to bite the other pigs by the ear. That's mm-hmm. the that's the loose part hanging out on their head they can get a hold of. So he'll immediately run over and try to bite another pig's ear, just grab a hold of him. I spent the whole time while I was showing mm-hmm. him with the stick, instead of kind of keeping away, I was beating him off of the other hogs in the ring, trying to get him away from him because he just wanted to fight. But
2: So let me ask you this. Was that your pig that you showed? Yes. Did you have to raise this pig or was this like a school pig? No,
1: I raised the pig. I fed the pig. I groomed it. I washed it.
2: Your parents uh, let you have a big old hog in your They
1: have a place. Okay. The school, usually uh, FFA. And you it at the
2: school. Okay. <laughs> and, and
1: Morgan, correct me if I'm wrong about you, it. maybe, <laughs> but they usually have an FFA farm. They have barns where you can keep your show animals if you don't keep them at your own family farm. And uh, yeah, I kept That's them at correct. the FFA farm. And, and then when you're finished, you sell those in a premium sale and somebody buys that hog and that kind of pays the purse for the prize money. Interesting. Yeah. The more you know. But I love the FFA.
0: The Sale Ring, online at www.thesalering.com.
1: Here's something. So I'll dovetail this back into the auction (laughs) industry. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Do you know what one of the primary benefits of the Future Farmers of America from a learning, from a trade or a skill set that you get from FFA is public speaking? Oh, yeah. And that ties right back in to somebody that can get up in front of an audience and speak. Most people, it's just it's not in their DNA to do that mm-hmm. until they've been taught to do that and they built their confidence. So the FFA, one of the programs is public speaking. And, you know, I concentrate. I never had a problem getting up in front of people and speaking. But I know people that did that were in the FFA that helped them overcome some of those inhibitions.
2: Do they have FFA for adults? No. Too late for me.
1: <laughs> they have Toastmasters for adults.
2: Toastmasters? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> have
1: helps with public speaking also, okay. and that's a whole other show.
2: Okay, we won't. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but I will say the FFA, too, for those of you who don't know, I mean, they're not just promoting agriculture. They're helping kids learn about careers in science and business and technology, and there's so many different aspects of the FFA you know, in related to agriculture, but not only. You know, that's not the main focus. Sean, like you were saying, speaking is a, a key element of being in the FFA as well.
1: Were you in a leadership role? So they have in FFA, they'll have president, vice president, secretary, sentinel. They have um, I yeah, don't know like if student council, eight, or what, yeah. nine different leadership yeah. position. Mm-hmm. Were you one of those, Morgan?
3: No, actually, I wasn't involved in a leadership role in our FFA chapter. She was too busy
2: playing the fiddle and violin. Too (laughs) too
1: busy with the musical (laughs) instruments and getting prepped to win all the state and national
2: contests. (laughs) I
3: was really involved in music and growing up and going back and forth to Dallas. We were about 75 miles northeast of Dallas. And so Mm -hmm. my mom would drive me back and forth to lessons and concerts and, you know, chamber music classes and theory classes. So I was in Dallas four or five days out of the week.
1: That's dedication. And that's, that's great parenting.
2: Yeah. Yep.
3: Oh, absolutely. I couldn't ask for more more supportive parents. They've always encouraged me to to chase my dreams and follow my passions and never complained about driving me up and down the road. So, I think they calculated by the time I did my senior recital, my mom had driven over a million miles. Wow. Just driving me back and forth to lessons alone, so not concerts or competitions, anything else, just lessons alone over a million miles. So, wow. Tells you, you know how much they've in invested in me over the years.
2: So. so they were really looking forward to when you turned 16 and could drive yourself to practice. <laughs> <laughs>
3: they, she still went with me, oh, that's went with nice. me and, and drove, drove all the miles back and forth. So
1: how, how, what about that part of your life? Do you, do you still perform? Do you perform in events or is that a, a portion of your, your day or your week?
3: Sure. I perform at events occasionally. Um, occasionally people ask me to come play at, gala or play at an event. And I'm happy to do that as some friends who are in the Texas country music scene and we'll fill in for them occasionally um, if they need a fiddle player. And, you know, I think for me, it's just an outlet. It's something I'm still really passionate about and that I enjoy doing. So it's always been a big part of my life and will continue to be for forever, I think. So it's a great outlet for me and a way for me to kind of get a release and something I really enjoy doing.
1: Morgan, this has been awesome. Just yeah. getting to know more about you and, and to talk about you today. And, you know, if we haven't made it kind of clear on, on this podcast show, you know, congratulations. You're yes. very accomplished. You have a lot to be proud of, and, and we're, we're proud to know you.
2: So where can people find you if they need to get a hold of you? Oh, sure. So they can find us on our, me
3: on the website through com. I think all my information's there, my email address and phone number. So, If anyone needs me, feel free to reach out. We'd love to to visit with you and talk to you.
1: Very good. Well, thank you again. This has uh, been a great episode for the Sail Ring Podcast, and we will see you next time inside the Sail Ring.
0: This episode has ended, but your journey to greatness continues. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesailring.com now. That's www.thesalering.com.